Testing, testing. Is this thing on? Hello, world. You are tuned into the Head in the Cloud podcast, your number one podcast for everything related to the current and evolving digital landscape. I am your host, Brandon Lentino, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Nicole Fellini. Nicole, how are we doing today? Doing good, Brandon. It's a new year. So I guess a new me, and I guess there's no flu this time. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> you guess there's no flu or there is there no is flu? There is no flu. There is no flu. I suffered for like a week, and now I'm not suffering from the flu, and next year I'm, I'm going to be first in line getting my flu shot. Never <laughs> again. Never again. Fair enough. Well, very happy to have you back and ready to go Thank back you. in the office to start 2020. I'm happy to be back. What about you, Brandon? How's uh, 2020 treating you? I'm uh, uh, I'm good. I'm I'm feeling excited. It's a new year, new decade, new opportunities, new money. Most importantly, new podcast. Yes. Head in the clout. We are here. We are ready. And today, episode two, we are joined by uh, a guest that I'm really excited about, a personal friend of ours, yes. Dylan Scants, founder and managing director of Eight Seven Media. <laughs> Also, as Nicole will proclaim, a beautiful man, Dylan. Hope you hear that one. Uh, no, but I'm really excited for this episode. You know, we obviously met Dylan years back. We all had the opportunity to work together at Hyper. Shout out to the Hyper fam. Um, but what I'm stoked for the listeners to hear about is how Dylan made the both exciting and I'm sure somewhat scary decision last year to quit his full-time job in influencer marketing and start his own media agency right here in the heart of the concrete jungle of New York. For those of you who've never heard of 8-7 Media, they are a digital media agency with a focus on providing best-in-class content production and distribution, both for brands and professional athletes. That's wild. That's a little curveball right there. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, for everybody who will listen to this episode, they'll get a really clear indication of exactly how 8-7 came to be. You know, Dylan's background as an NCAA baseball player playing a huge part, especially into that, you know, professional athlete side of the business. Uh, but don't want to give away too many spoilers. You know, if you love athletes, if you love content, if you love social, I mean, I think we even talk about fashion in this episode. Yeah, so if you, if you like fashion, tune in, turn your volume up, take a listen. Episode two, Head in the Clout, Dylan Scans, 8-7 Media. Let's get into it. excited to have you here. You. Uh, I think, you know, I've been pretty close to the journey of 8-7 since you started it about a year ago. Uh, and I think not only the vision that you have, but how you're going about executing it is really, really special. Uh, and I'm excited for our listeners to get a look at it, uh, not only from what they could read on the internet, but, you know, from the visionary himself. Uh, so for those people who don't know you, Tell the world, who is Dylan Scans? Who is Dylan Scans? It's a very good question. I struggle with it a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a kid from New Jersey that always kind of had a dream to have an agency in New York. And, you know, luckily had the opportunity to go out and do it. And when I did it, I kind of went full steam ahead and, and, and went after it. Um, I'm a baseball player, kind of first and foremost, played sports my entire life. And kind of the conversation that we're having today, I think, is really geared towards that. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, just a normal guy. Sure, man. You were like an NCAA baseball player, right? Yeah, I played baseball in college. Um, wasn't the greatest baseball player ever, but nevertheless, played baseball in college. If you ask the guys on our my college team, they would say I was the guy that would come up and hit batting practice and hit 400-foot home runs and would intimidate the team. 
But then when it came to the game time, I'd be sitting on the bench eating sunflower <laughs> seeds. So, uh, yeah, I guess lightly and played NCAA baseball. So I'm sure our listeners are wondering like why we're talking about your NCAA baseball career. Yep. Um, but obviously there's a huge tie into that background uh, that brought you to kind of start 8-7. Exactly. So give our listeners a little bit of background. Kind of how did the idea for 8-7 come about and, and kind of how was it born out of that athletic background? Yeah, so I, I can even start from the beginning of my first internship in New York. Um, I actually started at a company called Platinum Rye Entertainment. And shout out to John Shanti, platinum shout out Rye. to the whole Platinum G- Rye team. Gave me my start and obviously being a huge mentor to me, you know, throughout the last four or five years um, in my career in New York. And so, yeah, I started at Platinum Rye Entertainment and I always, I always knew I wanted to be in the entertainment space in some capacity, whether it was advertising or working at a company like Rock Nation. You know, I didn't really know, but I always wanted entertainment. So, um, yeah, I, I applied to Platinum Rye and Luckily, got the uh, the opportunity to intern there. Um, met Jonathan, who kind of uh, helped me join a company called Hyper, where we were in the influencer space. So I was there for about two and a half years, and then always wanted to get a sense of the talent buying space. So I went over to an agency under the Ketchum umbrella called Access, and uh, really executed influencer campaigns for you know some of the top brands in the world. And while I was there, um, being an athlete myself, I always wanted to integrate athletes into the campaigns that we were doing. Athletes, I think, have a true influence um, on culture. You know, they shape a lot of the things that we wear, whether it's shoes or it's clothes. So uh, I just thought it was really interesting and we were always working with influencers. To me, it kind of became redundant. It's why can't we use Aaron Judge for a skinny pop campaign? You know, I was speaking to a lot of um, agents in the sports space and what we noticed was that athletes are, are lacking in the content space. Um, you know, they have true influence. Fans are, are, are rabid and they go after these guys on social and, and really engage with them. But from a brand's perspective, they had a hard time trusting an athlete creating uh, an ad for a, for a campaign. Well, because I feel like most of these athletes they don't really give you a look into who they are on social. But you go to their Instagram, you go to their Facebook, you go to their YouTube, uh, if they even have a YouTube, let's say, and you get all of their sports content. You get their, you know, the, the amazing shot of the, the wide receiver going up for a catch exactly, or yeah. the baseball player taking swings, but you don't get to see Aaron Judge typically eating skinny pop in his living room or, you know, Dwayne like Wade cooking. in his living room. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> and, and that's what I think is, is interesting about the athlete space specifically and, you know, why we're so passionate about it is because people really care about these these athletes and um, there is so much stuff that's on the field but then what happens off the field or even in the locker room sure Um, you know I I don't think fans get to see that so yeah I I spoke to a bunch of agents and they basically said um, you know we're having some trouble you know competing against influencers and you know if if there's a fitness campaign they're always gonna go with that fitness influencer rather than the athlete right whereas the athlete is working out 20 times harder than a fitness influencer right, right. Um, plus they have what I believe is a lot more uh, influence to yeah. to their audience well, so it's like you have to be in shape in order to be a professional athlete these like fitness influencers are more or less doing it for the vanity the like, fit for the camera exactly yeah. I mean like no disrespect to right. those fitness yeah. <laughs> influencers shout out, out to all of our fitness influencers <laughs> yeah. might need to come see you for a campaign so don't hate me yeah <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like even like every single time I go see like a game I'm like look at these guys they're just like running around for hours on end yeah. and it doesn't even look like they're struggling like yeah, right. you just can't compete. So, so yeah. you were you were talking to these sports agents. You were getting a feel, but you were in a pretty good 
cushy job in an yeah. agency that had a, a decent amount of clout. I mean, underneath the catch em umbrella yeah. for anybody who knows. So how did you, uh, where did you get the, 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 the idea, the heart, the, yeah, yeah. the, the cojones for lack of a better <laughs> word to, to take a risk and leave such a situation and yeah. start your own thing? Yeah. So I, as, as I was speaking to them, I said, Hey, what would, would it make sense for somebody to kind of help you on the media side? I started reaching out to a bunch of agents and within about five days, I got 30 meetings Wow! and what? I kind of sat there and said, uh, well, should I take <laughs> these meetings and take two weeks off right, or right. should I kind of go out and full out, go full out for this? Um, and I really took the liberty and said, you know what? I think there's, there's something here. Um, I don't know what it is, but I know that if you do outreach and you get 30 meetings, it's a pretty good day yeah. as, a, as you know, having a background in sales. So, and then, so yeah, we had a bunch of meetings and then, you know, what we realized um, within those meetings was, you know, we had a, we had a good uh, idea, but the business wasn't really sound yet. We sure. didn't have a business plan. It was just more or less an idea. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we started. When you were, um, like, reaching out to these agents, were they, like, expecting, like, celebrity endorsement deals? Because, like, when I think of my past and when we used to work with athletes, is always, like, this is, like, our big athlete, not, mm -hmm. like, let me input these athletes into, like, these multi-tier influencer campaigns. Right, right. Like, like what, the, were, what were the agent's expectations yeah. when you were coming to that? So, I think that's the reason why we got so many meetings in the beginning be was because we were going with the influencer marketing strategy. Right. So, in our our, our initial outreach, we were basically saying, uh, we're, we're going to help you guys with content, and then also with that content, represent these guys as a third party for influencer marketing campaigns. That's what I think sparked their interest was it was more tailored towards influencer and this, this area that they were not so strong in um, compared to saying, oh, we're just going to do what everyone's reaching out to you guys for already. So we were in a little bit of a niche there. Without obviously getting into any sensitivities, I know there's certain sure. information you can and cannot share. Like what are some of the exciting projects that you're working on right now with athletes? Yeah. So right now we've, we're really looking into the YouTube space. And I think YouTube's becoming a space for athletes where they can kind of tell their story a little bit deeper. So we, we saw that. Um, there's, from, from my knowledge, only about 15 guys that are doing it really, really well in, in, the, um, in the athlete space. And, and, they're, and they're doing it at a very high level. And what I mean by that is there's a media company behind them that's right. producing content. So we're seeing right now, and I saw guys like OBJ on the, on the trending page constantly, you know, getting insane amount of viewers comparatively to his subscriber count. So I said, wow, this is really interesting. I looked a little bit deeper into it. And then we, we said, we want to be really niche into YouTube. So that's what's really exciting for us right now. Um, you know, helping athletes with their, their YouTube presence, us being the guys kind of behind the camera, being creative. And, you know, what we're really asking these guys is just, hey, we, we want to give the fans access. There just needs to be somebody behind the camera. And, and our vehicle is YouTube right now. Right. So that's what we're really, uh, really excited about. It's... Um, you know, a fun time for us and a busy time, but nevertheless, right. it's really cool. Well, what I really love about YouTube, and I think specifically for you guys and what I understand about the way you want to kind of create this, tell me if this is okay to describe it, almost like day in the life content with yeah. these athletes. It's almost like you're, you're taking over the new medium for long form content, yep. right? What used to be the 30 for 30 on ESPN on TV could now be the 10 minute vlog that this influencer, uh, excuse me, this athlete slash influencer is going to have on their YouTube. Yep. Is that kind of how you were looking at it when you came up with like, this is a channel that I really want to put my team on exploring? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's always the progression. Right. Um, and we look at it in different industries from a business standpoint, 
but for this little niche, it's the progression of where things have, have always been going. When one of our athletes that we just launched with on a YouTube channel, um, he mentioned that when he was a little kid, he would stay up until 12, one o'clock just to get a little glimpse of that athlete on radio. Right, Aww. so, so that, it, was, it was so cool, you know, he was like, I, I cared about this athlete so much that I wanted to hear what they had to talk about for the game. And it was like my five seconds that I got outside of watching him, you know, hit or, or play or field. So it, it started with that. Um, and then obviously the progression to TV and, and getting interviews with athletes and asking them questions. And then the birth of ESPN and right. how they talk about E60s and uh, 30 for 30s and, um, and really diving into an athlete's story. And again, that's on, on television right. and at a, a large production. And then so from that, it really turned into Uninterrupted and Players' Tribune, shout out to Derek Jeter, who wanted to tell the athlete story themselves. But again, they're coming from a third party being right. the Players' Tribune or Uninterrupted. For me, the next progression was, okay, well, I want to see what this athlete is talking about themselves. Right. Where they completely you know, control the narrative, tell their own story um, through whatever means they want. Because like I said earlier, there's guys that you can look at and there's athletes that have a bigger platform or viewership from a viewership perspective than Complex or GQ, which is mind-blowing to think about because those companies are multi, multi-million dollar companies. Yeah, and they're pushing uh, out tons of content tons every of content. single day. All the time. Tons of content, and it's sponsored content, right? So they're making you know, a pretty penny on it, and if an athlete had a team that followed them in the same capacity, they're basically GQ now, or they're basically yeah. complex. They're basically publishers. Exactly. Yeah. They're a publisher. Um, and that's kind of how we're looking at it as well. So yeah, for me, it was just the next iteration of, uh, of athlete-styled content. And so is the plan, I think you just touched on a very interesting aspect, which is kind of like the, the sponsorship side of yep. these publications, the GQs, the complex of the world. But I have to imagine the... Um, ability to do almost similar sponsorships on these YouTube channels is also something that could be very interesting. Yeah. So is that a component beyond just creating this very bring you into the athlete world content? Do you have plans to also maybe try to integrate some interesting brand sponsorships once these YouTube channels get up and running? Of course. Yeah. And, and that's for us, the, the obviously the revenue driver. I think brands are looking to, to be innovative right now, uh, especially in influencer marketing, because when, when I think of an influencer marketing campaign, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a lot of quote unquote YouTubers that have already figured this model out. And I think we're just doing it in a unique way with, with athletes. So yeah, absolutely for us, we think if we're doing a, a YouTube video for an athlete and they're working out, why not integrate a nutrition brand into their right, they're, right. A fan, they're already a fan of, from our perspective, if you're looking at YouTube as a platform to promote on, you can directly link out. Right. Uh, there's, it's, and, and we always talk about this with your calls to action. Um, you you want to have the, the least amount of touch points to get to your end goal. You know, we can track conversions and yeah. we can see actually how well this athlete's performing for that brand. Data, data, data. All data, <laughs> which I know you guys are, which you guys are, are yeah. huge into the data space. Um, I was curious, are there like any limitations when like doing a brand sponsorship with an athlete? Because like that is like immediately comes to mind, like they're associated with a team mm -hmm. and they represent that team on and off the field. So like, are, do you guys ever run into any limitations when like considering a brand? Brand deal. Yeah, so a lot of athletes have on-field partnerships, um, whether it's Nike or Adidas, whatever it might be. And what's interesting about that is it stems further than what we would expect than just 
shoes, apparel, you know, things, things that we, we were consuming right now or we're wearing. But what we're looking to do is, and, and again, it's, it follows that influencer marketing model of lifestyle products. So if he's doing a, a nutrition you know, video or a cooking video, we're gonna go after Goya beans or we're gonna go after right. a brand like that for that type of endorsement. And that goes a little bit deeper into you know, just uh, what we would consider media buys rather than endorsements. Yeah, sure. um, so it's buying placement on your channel. It goes exactly. back to the publisher com concept yeah. that you were mentioning earlier. Exactly, so we're looking at athletes as a media property from that perspective. Uh, like from, you know, from a dollar's perspective with brands rather than, um, you know, like a long-term endorsement. Sure. And when you're thinking about these potential brand uh, partners for these athletes, how much of that is you guys? I know you've got some some absolute studs working with you at 8.7 who yeah. have the savviness and have the ideas. But Absolutely. how much of that is your team saying, okay, we're working with, you know, this athlete on this YouTube channel. Yep. These are the brands that would be great versus the athletes saying to you, man, I've always wanted to work with, you know, this brand, this brand, this brand. Like, yeah. is it kind of a, a two-way street or are you kind of giving the athlete the narrative based on the, the content? Yeah, it's, it's a two-way street and it's always based on their personality, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, you know, in the, in the beginning, it kind of, uh, you know, we have a, an onboarding meeting with the athlete and, and say, okay, well, this is what we're looking to do. This is the vision. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Because there's athletes that love fishing. Um, which, you know, from, from just looking at their Instagram or their Facebook, like, I couldn't tell you that. But when you speak with them, they said, oh, yeah, I'm a huge fishing fanatic. Nicole's Shout eyes are people. lighting <laughs> up right now. <laughs> you guys can't see her, but she's uh, absolutely giddy as we're talking about fishing right now. Shout yeah. out to Fly Lord. Shout out to Dot Max Dot. I love it. Yeah, so fishing is, is a, a, an area that some guys absolutely love. Um, some guys like bowling, right? Like there's there's sure. these quirky things that they do that you might not know about them, and especially us doing our research on an athlete before we pitch them or speak to them, we don't even know. Um, so a lot of what we're doing from both a content perspective, which the content leads into the brands that we work with, um, is based on their personality. So they'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fishing addict. Uh, I love cooking. You know, we're we're also aside from sports, we're also looking in the um, in the music space. You know, with with artists because I think it's, it's kind of synonymous with each other, it's one and the Absolutely. other. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, it depends on their personality, and then from that personality, what we see is, we'll, we'll kind of give them suggestions on what type of content, um, and, and speaking to, to another athlete that we just, we just started working with, he has a personal stylist that kind of helps him with all of the, uh, all of the um, you know, gear that he's gonna wear for, in, you know, before, before the games, walking right. into the stadium. So that, to me, is an amazing episode. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that that was like a thing. It's thing. kind of like a mini red carpet. Like oh when yeah. You're rolling up to the game. Oh, I didn't yeah. even think that like there's like a whole market for personal stylists that are like, you need me. Yeah, I mean, sick. I don't know how big of a NBA fan you are yeah. specifically, but I like mean, if you watch some of those like outfits that these athletes are walking yeah. in, whether it's LeBron, KD, these crazy just fashion statements. But like I... I just I see those and I immediately am like, okay, that's their the personality. Athlete, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's their thing. Not yeah. that like I don't know. There's Every, a stylist. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. stylist behind it. I mean, I hope some of them, I think a lot of them, it is them themselves. Like yeah. I've heard, yeah. obviously I don't know LeBron James, but <laughs> you know, I've heard that like his, he's really in touch with fashion. So For I think sure. some of them are, but it's yeah. definitely interesting to think about like yeah. the fact that there is an employee there, a stylist that is dedicating themselves to that's, just that. To me, that's a cool, interesting episode. Yeah, you know? so absolutely. I, I'd watch it. Exactly. I too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm walking out to the stadium today. This is how I got to that outfit. Right. Right. And you see it from a few months ago and, and fans want to talk to it. It also goes into a little bit of fan interaction one-on-one -on -one with athletes. Sure. 
Um, I remember I met uh, Don Mattingly a few years ago, being wow. a huge Yankees fan, and I didn't know what to say to him. Right. But if I knew a little bit about Don Mattingly on, on his personality level, I could say, hey, I saw that you love, uh, I don't know. Bowling. Bowling. <laughs> yeah, what did be, you say to Don Mattingly? Do you remember? I was like, I was 15 years old. and oh. I probably just stuttered a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you autograph my? Can you autograph my? Uh, you know, can you autograph my, my book, right, please? Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit deeper now, and and I think fans want to have that interaction with guys. So um, you know, learning about the athlete's personality helps us, and then again, it, it helps fans because I think there's a little bit of um, this feeling, you know, with with fans that these guys are just athletes. Right. You know, they just do one thing. That's all they do. But little do they know is that these guys have a lot of time on their hands outside of their sport. Right. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot of them, a lot of them do play video games and, you know, they're launching Twitch channels and, and whatever it might be. But I think it's, it's always been this idea that they're, they're just that, that jock type character. Um, you, they, they don't know anything else besides sports. And that's, what, that's who they are. Yeah. Um, but they're just like us. You yeah, know, they just have a skill set in a different in a different vehicle that's pronounced to the entire world. Whereas you know, me and you in business, we sit here and we talk to you know our, our clients, whatever it might be, and it's kind of very uh, siloed. Right. And then you look at athletes; it's just it's the same thing. They're just really good at their job, Absolutely. except their job has to be in front of millions of people. Is there anything that they keep sacred? Like if you're like, oh, we should make content about that, and like across the board, people are like, I'm just like not interested, and that's like just for me. Yeah. Uh, I think family is definitely one thing. I was going to ask if that was something that they really want to keep. It's interesting though because we, we've have uh, we've had a few conversations over the last month where these guys want to show their family more. Um, few athletes in particular wanted to show a little bit more about like, hey, I'm going to Chuck E. Cheese with my kid. I'm I'm going to the zoo. Like that's cool content. I think and people want to see. And again, it comes down to the personality and and being okay with it. But that's the one place where guys are like, hey, nope, not my kid, nothing. Like they don't want that. Um, you know, family is probably the one thing that's off limits a little bit. Um, and then other than that, it's, it's really kind of, you know, up to them. No, I think it's, I think it's awesome, man. And I think what you're doing is, I guess, can I say admirable because I think giving these fans, giving the world this look into the life of these people that are put on such a pedestal is so rewarding, I think, for everyone, for the athlete, for the fan, for you guys that are creating the content, because I think you nailed it. People forget that these athletes, these music artists, I know you touched on that earlier, yeah. they're people too yeah. at the end of the day. They have the same struggles that we have, maybe with a little more money to help or hurt those struggles, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they have worries, they have loves, they have hates, they have of problems. Uh, and so you're, you're really giving that scope. And I think the fact that you're tying it into influencer marketing is great too, because that's exactly where influencer marketing came from. Exactly. It was like getting this accessibility into these people's lives, seeing the products they use, seeing the life that they live. And of course, us all working in it, we've seen it morph into more of a business where it's, it is less human to human. And I think what you guys are doing at 8-7 and specifically with athletes is bringing it back to those really fulfilling roots. Yeah, no, I agree. I think just to be a part of it is really cool for us. Uh, it's definitely kind of an honor that these guys would trust us, you know, to to, to tell their story. Um, so yeah, we're just looking to really bring to to fans and to their audience what I want, um, and I just am lucky to to be that guy. You sure. know? Whereas 
if, if it wasn't me, it would be somebody else that's doing it or looking to do it. So we're, we're just really grateful to be those people that's telling that story. And, um, you know, hopefully one day that, you know, uh, we're hearing in a, in a, a Chipotle that a, a, a fan is talking about, oh, I saw this guy's video on this. Like, oh, well, you know, we helped out with that. So that's I think it's awesome, pretty cool. Man. Yeah. I, I mean, look, man, I think you're doing something really, really special here. You know, I think your vision is tight. For those of you who don't know you, I can attest to the fact that your work ethic is absolutely you, unrivaled. Uh, so if you know, if somebody asked me, does this kid have the the skill set necessary to to take this vision all the way to the top? The answer is yes. But I guess was there ever a point when you were first starting out where you didn't know if it was going to work out? And kind of what did you what did you have to? How did you have to psych yourself into taking this leap? Did you read business books like? What did you do to basically be able to say, okay, I'm ready to execute on my vision. I'm going to start a business. Yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they have like this idea that you have to read these amount of books. Um, you have to get, obviously, the more information you have, the better. But what I'm really, uh, I guess, skilled in is just doing it. Sure. You know, it's and it's not a skill. It's just me going out and, you know, there's no uh, formula. Uh, there's no magic pill that you that, that guys are going to take it's just really going and doing it you know sending emails send as many emails as you can and get in get into the in, in the faces of as many people you know you can read all these business books that tell you you know you have to do this this and this and they've never been in a business that you're going into right, right. Like, there was nobody that i could have looked to to say hey what should i do like there's guys that have definitely guided me um, and i appreciate them very 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 deeply but at the end of the day it's it's kind of just failing on your own and if you look at guys that are really successful, they've failed a hundred times and a million times. And, um, you know, like I said, there's, there's, there's no one that, there's nobody that's going to tell you which way to go. You kind of have to just do it on your own um, and fail on your own and, and grow and, and learn from those different failures. Because that's, that's the way that we did it was we just kind of took the leap, um, whether it just comes down to being absolutely crazy or, <laughs> I, you know, I, I you have to be a little crazy to like quit your job or. and then just suddenly like yeah. start. Yeah. But I, it sounds like you weren't crazy, man. I mean, it's, you found an area yeah. and you're finding success there. So it, did you take a risk? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was it definitely a like calculated risk. And again, the only reason why I did it was because we had so many things lined up that, right. were, that were trending positively. So I knew that there was a need for it. Um, I would say it's, it's always different. It's different for every entrepreneur sure. uh, or, or anyone that's trying to start a business in any sense. You know, you have your, your markets that you know that are going to be successful regardless. You know, for the, for the last year, we've done really well in brand content. So um, that, you know, was, was an avenue that we knew was going to make, uh, make revenue for us. But, you know, if you're going into a place that's a little bit untapped, you know, I would say... Um, you just learn from what you're doing because there's really nobody that's done it before. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because there really is no answer. Right. Uh, it's just, you just got to go do it. And maybe that yeah. is the answer. Maybe that's the, the answer, answer. Yeah. is there is no answer. Is there, yeah. You and know what I mean? For you, when like you had those, I'm sure there were always like these small moments of doubt, like, am I doing the right thing? Have I made a huge mistake? What kept you going in those like low, dark times? I'm sure they weren't dark, but you well, know what I mean? It was, so for me, it was a lot of, I guess, proving the people that were around me wrong in a sense, because a lot of people, and, and inclusive of people in my, um, in my family were like, hey, I don't know if you should be doing this. Right. Uh, this is a little crazy. And for me, proving you wrong and saying, oh, you, you think I can't do it. Well, I'm, I'm gonna me. go, yeah, watch yeah. me. Uh, I'm gonna go do it. So that was a lot, in the beginning, that was a lot for, for us. Uh, I think motivation for me is, is always constantly changing. You know, it's always the idea to succeed, but the, um, 
you know, like the, the means to get there is always changing. You know, like I said, in the beginning, it was prove you wrong, like F you, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to do it in the, in the greatest city or the hardest city to make it in. You know, we're, we're in New York and it's a, it's a tough market and you have to kind of have something a little special or um, work 20 times harder than other people just to, just to, to make it. So, th so that was in the beginning and then it translated to, you know, we hired some employees and my motivation shows it from, okay, well, we, I proved you wrong. Now I got to make sure that the guys that I'm working with, I prove them right. Sure. Also, to your point earlier, that's one thing that definitely does help is a team that's around you that's motivated, that pushes you to, to be the best or show up on time or get things done. So um, I obviously can't do it without a team, team around me of, of guys that are more skilled in things that I'm not skilled in. So that's really, that was a lot of the, the passion for me was making sure that these guys were good and they had a way to, to um, pay their bills. And that was, that was a lot for me. Now I think for us is, is really just the motivation is to take it to the next level. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask, like, why 8-7 Media now? Why now opposed to four years ago or... Three one? years from now. Oh, yeah, yeah, three years from now. Yeah, like I said, I think it's a lot of uh, the progression. I think it's easier to shoot on cameras now. It's a lot cheaper to shoot on cameras right now. In the, in the you know, when, when ESPN's putting a 30 for 30 documentary, in the beginning, you couldn't shoot it on a $2,000 camera that's... You know, you can buy at Best Buy, right? right? So I also think from uh, an industry perspective, I think it's, it's really good timing because brands are, are looking for new innovative ways to promote it and to market. They're, they're already doing it, um, it you know, on, on digital and specifically even on YouTube. But I think athletes need to, to really take a hold of that. So, yeah, it's, it's timing from a lot of different areas. Who's the current athlete across sports right now that would be your dream to work with? It's a very good question. There, there's a, a, a barrier between uh, MLB and, and what you're allowed to push on digital. So that's why I think a guy like Aaron Judge, um, having a channel or, or a way to show what he's doing would be really interesting. I know the Yankees are always that kind of that close-knit organization where they don't want to get too much out in the press. Sure. And, but he is, he's a guy that could really be, or he is the face of baseball in, a, in addition to guys like you know Mike Trout, but um, he, he has a great story to tell, and I think it needs to be told a little bit better. And he could be not even just the face of baseball, but I think the face of sports, whereas a LeBron is the face of sports, or an OBJ is the face of sports. He can be that type of character. Do you think um, a pretty face is required to be the face of sports? No, I definitely think it comes down to personality. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, it's uh, people want to be liked, or, or people want to like a, a likable character. Right. So... Uh, it really comes down to that. I mean, it definitely helps that, you know, people can kind of look up to them and aspire what, they, what they're wearing and things like that, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint. But uh, I think it really comes down to if they're a good guy and, um, you know, they kind of have a good head on their shoulders and, and they want to do good for the community. I think that's what makes a, uh, a face of a sport or a face of baseball. Um, you know, but obviously from a marketing perspective, it definitely doesn't, doesn't hurt. No, uh, not at all. Uh, you know, for my you, ladies out there. Yeah. <laughs> definitely opens up your, uh, your market uh, a little bit, you know, that a guy is, you know, attractive to uh, the, you know, the female audience definitely helps from a marketing perspective. It's, you know, let's, we can't lie about that. Um, yeah. But you can be a face of a sport, I think, for a variety of different reasons. It doesn't necess yeah. necessarily have to be for one or the other. Ladies and gentlemen, Dylan Scants, 8-7 Media. I mean, keep your eyes out for this kid. There's no doubt he's on the track to success. You're going to see him everywhere. You're going to be seeing his content everywhere. Probably if you're watching YouTube content from your favorite athlete next year, it was cranked out of 8-7 Media, so you know what time <laughs> it is. Love it. <laughs>
so, Dylan, uh, season one, Head in the Clout, we always <laughs> ask a secret question at the end oh, of great. each episode. I know, attest <laughs> to the fact for our listeners, yes. we did not tell you what this question was. No, I'm sweating right now. I felt pretty confident the whole episode, and now I'm uh, squeaking, <laughs> screaming <laughs> in my chair. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Oh, this God. is purely meant to induce a little bit of fun. All right. See if you can think on your feet. <laughs> and so the question is this. Yep. If each neighborhood in New York City represented a social platform, yes. what neighborhood would you live in? What social platform would it be? Okay. And why? Hmm. So I, I want to compare this a little bit to like what we're doing right now. I would probably have to go with, I guess, Alphabet City because right. for, for and the reason why is obviously it's in Manhattan and uh, it's in kind of like the hub, but I think comparatively to YouTube, where YouTube used to be just, you know, all these guys just throwing content up and kind of hoping for the best, and, and now it's translated into like more high quality. I think Alphabet City is a little bit similar in that sense, where it's kind of a little bit cleaner now, and it's uh, definitely, definitely a little more attractive. Rent in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> definitely true. Exactly. So, so for the listeners, so you would be living in Alphabet City, yeah. and you think Alphabet City represents YouTube. Correct. I think there's a direct correlation. I think that's pretty interesting because I think about YouTube years ago. It was just like a mishmash of content, viral cat videos and exactly. this, that, and the other. Yeah. And all that still exists, but I definitely think it's more polished. There's professional content on YouTube. It's incredible. I yeah. mean, as you know, with like guys like Complex putting out sneaker shopping, it's huge production just for YouTube. It's yeah. incredible. So um, I think we're going to see a lot less like this user-generated content that's not high quality. Um, and, and more of high quality content. But I, I think what's interesting to, to compare to like Netflix, I don't, I don't think YouTube-esque content like athletes will ever live on Netflix. I just don't, I just don't foresee it happening. But I, I think YouTube will just get from a content perspective more high quality as we go. More shows are gonna be on it, but more shows from an in individual perspective. Yeah. Not necessarily, like you're not gonna really watch HBO on, on YouTube. I, you'll see maybe clips that HBO puts out, but um, yeah, I think I, I don't foresee it. It's more accessible saying. content. More accessible content. Yeah. yeah, from from like I said, from a personality perspective, um, the same way that you know uh, an, an an influencer, or an athlete, or person posts on on Instagram in, in a high quality fashion, I think it just translated to YouTube. There it is. That's it. So everybody out there, catch Dylan in Alphabet City. <laughs> Tune into the Eight Seven Media YouTube channel. Uh, no, Dylan, man, I, I want to take a minute again to thank you for coming on today, man. This was uh, absolutely an amazing chat. Thank you, man. Appreciate and I think it. you dropped some absolute gems when it comes to this really unique space that is marrying, you know, brands and influencers and athletes. Uh, anything you want to leave the listeners with? No, follow these guys. These guys are the are, are the the host. There's the they're the. the the stars of the show. So follow Brennan and Nicole. I appreciate it, man. We'll definitely be dropping uh, everything. We'll drop everybody's handles in the description for all our listeners. So you'll be able to find Dylan. You'll be able to find Nicole, myself, the 8-7 Media website. And I mean, hey, if you rep athletes, if you are an athlete, if you're a brand looking to work with athletes, get in touch with my man, Dylan. Again, Dylan at 8-7 Media. They got exactly what you need and more. Dylan, thank you again, man. Thanks, thank Dylan. you, man.